Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Dynamic Word Bible Studies. This is your host, Felicia DeRozier, and I've got my amazing co-host here, Cross. And Mariah. They happen to be my kids, which is super awesome. Oh, that's awesome. I'm glad that you think so. Once a week, we turn our bedroom into a radio studio, and Bible study happens. We are also really excited to be joined today by a special guest. Uh, pastor from New Hope Las Vegas Church. He is amazing. His name is Pastor Austin Tealavea. Thank you so much for joining us, Pastor Austin. Oh, thank you guys you for having say- me. It's a joy and it's a blessing. <laughs> Fantastic. We're excited. I think uh, Mariah is excited most of all. Uh, I often select the guests, and um, this week she was able to bring on uh, one of her favorite, uh, most inspiring teachers right now, and you are the one she picked, so we're super excited about that. Um, but as you guys know, uh, you guys have been uh, following us for a while. I hope uh, you probably know that the first thing we do is c- cut to commercial break. Uh, it's my obligation to the station, so we will be doing that shortly, and then we'll be back studying the Book of Romans, Chapter 11, and I think we've got some insights to share today that will be awesome. And then we're going to hear Pastor Austin's testimony of how uh, God has worked in his life. So I can't wait to hear it. Um, We'll see you after this commercial break. We all know that times are tough and things are really expensive right now. So why not save a little bit of your wallet as well as the landfill? Marty.com carries high-quality products at low, low prices, sometimes up to 70% off of retail. I just got a wonderful package of beef jerky for one cent sent to my house through Marty.com. Marty.com offers... Of all the grounding studies, the one that really got our attention is called Electric Grounding Improves Vagal Tone in Preterm Infants. In the study, 26 premature babies in an NICU were connected to grounding wires. The heart rates of the grounded infants stabilized, and their vagal tone, a critical measure of infant health, increased by 67% with grounding. The information is provided for general informational purposes only. The contents are not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Ground Therapy Incorporated makes no representations about the efficiency, appropriateness, or suitability of any specific tests, procedures, treatments, services, opinions, healthcare providers, or other information that may be contained in or available through the information provided. Hey everyone, Proof here again. I want to let you know that you want to protect yourself against this upcoming food shortage that's about to happen. I know with all this COVID stuff, that growing your own food is going to be extremely important right now. So I want to introduce you to my friends over at groundwithagarden.com, and you can get yourself hooked up with a vertical garden that you can grow inside or outside of your house. So if you have a back patio or you don't have room outside, you can grow in either way. 
And I have a bunch of stuff growing on mine. I have pictures to share. I love this thing. This is the best garden and most successful that I've ever had for gardening for my own self. So let me give you the website again, groundwithagarden.com. That's groundwithagarden.com. Did you know that every time you swipe your debit card, those behind-the-scenes transaction fees make the big banks even richer? In 2016 alone, these fees added up to $60 billion. Yes, that's billion with a B. Well, what if there was a way to have the convenience of a debit card, but reroute those fees from the banksters to organizations actually doing good in the world? Organizations that protect the environment or feed hungry children? What if your swipes could literally change the world? Well, Groundswell SPC has found a way to do just that. We've designed a Visa debit card program that shares transaction fees with your favorite cause. Groundswell partners with nonprofit organizations that promote the card to their supporters. Their supporters then use the card to power the mission of the nonprofit. It's a win-win-win for everyone, except the big banks, of course. Groundswell is about to launch its first cards into market, and we're inviting you to be part of this movement as an investor in the company. Go to wefunder.com backslash Groundswell card to learn more. Set up a free WeFunder account and invest in Groundswell today and get your money on mission. All right, guys, well, welcome back. We're so excited that you came to join us today for our Bible study uh, again, this is your host, Felicia DeRozier, my amazing co-host, and my kids, Cross and Mariah. Yeah, two of my three favorite kids. My other one hides because she's a little shy. Uh, we're joined today by Pastor Austin Tiavea. I'm so sorry. I'm trying so hard to pronounce that correctly. <laughs> no, you're uh, <laughs> Pastor, we're so glad yeah. that you're here today. Um, did anybody want to start us oh. out in prayer? All right. Okay. <laughs> Cross says he's going to. You're I think you did it so well. Go. We don't break what's good, you know? <laughs> All right. You just pulled off your hat like you're a scout. That's awesome. I love it. It's like an easier response now, right? Right. Exactly. Go ahead, buddy. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you did for us. Thank you that we were able to uh, come on to this radio show and spread your word. And, uh, that we will have an amazing testimony, amazing teaching, and that the words coming from mom's mouth will be your words, not hers. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Make me smaller, make yourself bigger. That's how, that's how it works. All right. So um, today, if you're following along with your scripture, you're going to want to open up to Romans chapter 11. We're going to pick up at verse 7. So uh, we've been in Romans for the last 31 weeks. Can you imagine this is this is week 31. Um, and so we are just hitting the middle of chapter 11, and we're going to talk about um, something that, for me, has always been a little bit of a tough subject. So let's read the scripture, and we'll talk about what's been challenging for me about it. Um, chapter 11, and I'm going to start off reading at verse 7. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. As it was written, God gave them a spirit of stupor and eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. And David says, 
let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a, and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. And I'm actually going to go ahead and pop verse 12 in there because it really felt like it, it mattered. Uh, now if their trespass means riches for the world and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? So um, this is a really interesting subject because it's talking about, um, and we've spent a lot of time talking about the free will of man and how God interacts with it. And this for me has always been a tough subject. Uh, the hardening of hearts of people. Um, and so uh, we're going to kind of dive into that just a little bit. Um, the, the whole point is that we come to God by faith and we become the elect and the recipients of the new covenant of reconciliation, and, and we become the elect by faith, same way that Abraham did. Um, and we must continue moving forward to be ministers of that covenant. Um, it's really in response to the question of how should I respond to the Jews missing Jesus in light of my good fortune to receive him. Now, I have kids. Two of them are sitting here right now. Hello. Okay. Hello. <laughs> I have another one in the living room. Um, and I feel like I almost have, like, this confession to make, okay? Like, sometimes we're training up our children and – Believe it or not, they don't listen to us. No matter how good our advice is and no matter how good of a parent we are, every once in a while they think that they know better than us. And they kind of stick their cute little defiant chins in the air and they go, I'll do it myself. And, and they'll do this even up to the teenage years. And we'll tell them and we'll tell them and we'll tell them. But I'm going to tell you it goes to the adult realm, too. <laughs> Brian's confessing now. She's like, sometimes an adult still do that. I'm going to see for myself. Okay, so, right, right, right. I'm going to see for myself. That's perfect. So, so check this. As a parent, I swear to you, like, I try to be a good human being, but every once in a while in my head, I'm like, yeah, you'll see. <laughs> you'll see. And, and, and uh, you know, and you're like, that door is about to smack you in the face, and I'm just going to let it happen. <laughs> okay? Because we know, and we've tried to tell you, right? Pastor <laughs> Austin, can you relate to this? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I've got two of my own, and yes. <laughs> <laughs> and most of the time, you're speaking from a place of experience, like you've had this happen to you before. Uh, sure, sure. But, like, every once in a while, we're, it's kind of like the parent goes, Fine, have it your way, right? And I feel like that's really kind of what God is saying when the Bible refers to him hardening hearts. Um, I actually have read this pretty carefully because um, it's something that's kind of fascinating me a little bit. But, for example, I think the one that we were talking about um, earlier this week, Mariah, was Pharaoh, right? Yeah. And um, Pharaoh had already made up his mind to rebel against God and defy him. Mm-hmm. And so when God comes along and hardens his heart, he's like that loving but very frustrated parent who, after giving you sound advice 20 times, lets out a sigh and just says, well, if you won't learn it the other way, you can just have it your way. Uh, the term hardening of heart really means to strengthen resolve. So he's just saying basically, like, if you intend to rebel, 
I will strengthen your resolve. Go all the way, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, and, how about uh, it? You want to no, be no, my no, enemy? Go halfway. Go all the way. Right. You want to be my enemy? We're going to be enemies, <laughs> right? And what's really interesting uh, in the story of Exodus is actually that the first time, the first five times, uh, it's recorded in the Bible that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Yes, And the right. other five times, it's that God hardened his heart. Yes. And that's a very, very good point. Like, that God is. Just, God just kind of lets us go and go and go and go and go and finally it's like, you know what, if you're not going to learn this any other way, then do things your way. Um, God isn't taking our choices away, but he allows our resolve to be strengthened in our choices. Um, now we're going to go back to basics for a minute, okay, because this verse, remember um, way, way back early, we did a whole show on covenant, and I said the covenants are everywhere, but we miss them. Way back when. Way back when. This was like, I think I looked it up, I think it was episode two, y'all. Okay, mm-hmm. like it was way, way back when. Um, yeah, so um, over the span of the Bible, God makes all sorts of covenants with people. And at this point, they're referring to covenant behavior. So we're actually going to talk about this because it's a little confusing outside the context of that, okay? Um, because we have two quotes here, one that is um, taken from, I believe it was from Ezekiel, Um and then it might it might have been Isaiah. I didn't look it up. One of the older guys. Yeah, it, it, it was it was a prophet to the point. Okay, um, and uh, the other one is actually a quote from David. Okay, um, and the the Davidic quote is not really related um, strongly to what we're talking about. Oh, it was Isaiah and Deuteronomy was that quote? Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. I got you. Thank you. Have my back. So um, so the point is the from Isaiah is specific to the nation of Israel, okay? Um, The Davidic quote was actually specific to, um, uh, I don't remember which nation it was at the time that was hunting him down, but it was specific to his enemies, okay? Which time? I don't know. It was was a bunch of times, so I didn't go through that, but it was clear and evident it was his enemies that he was talking about. and so we're going to see why that quote was related, why was it included in here, and what is it supposed to mean, okay? Um, so God makes a ton of covenants with the nation of Israel. There are several, but for today, we're just going to briefly recall three of them. Um, more info on covenants is available on our show, Episode 2, Covenant and Christ Identity, which, yeah, it was all the way out in episode two that we went through in detail what covenants look like, how you can find them in the Bible, all the different covenants in the Bible. We spent an entire hour and a half breaking that down. So we're not going to do that today. Today we're just going to mention three of them. Um, We're going to look at the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, and the New Covenant. Now, the Abrahamic covenant um, is when God makes a covenant with Abraham. We all kind of remember this story, right? Um, Old world covenants were ironclad treaties between individuals, leaders, tribes, or nations that promised blessings for fulfilling the terms of the agreement and curses for violating them even to the death. In fact, uh, when we take marital vows nowadays and we say, till death do us part, it is a covenant. And that's kind of one of those things uh, that they would have said is to death do we have this covenant, okay? Um, This covenant between Abraham and God is where God promises to make Abraham's family a great nation and to bless the world through them by bringing the Messiah through their family line. This is really important. Hold on to that nugget, okay? Not only did he promise to make his family a great nation, 
but he promised to bless the world through him. How's that going to happen? That's, that's right. So this is the question here, okay? Um, Abraham's part in the agreement is to just have faith and trust in God, and that faith is credited to him in righteous, as righteousness. And um, I just want – I always want to make sure that you don't think I'm making this up, okay? So we're actually going to pull it up here uh, in Romans 4.3. It's not the direct quote, but this is where uh, Paul is referring to it. Okay. For what the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Okay. So that's what, that's what Abraham's end of the deal was. Now, Abraham doesn't do this perfectly, right? There are times where he doesn't trust God and his provision for his family and all those sorts of things. Um, but he's the best God's God at this point. So God, um, and, and by the way, not everybody in Abraham's line had faith in God. So the promise flows through only those who were elect because of their faith. Um, now we're going to check out Romans 9, 6 through 13 here. Okay. I think I've got it up here. Um, but it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who were descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Because remember, Abraham has two children, mm-hmm. right? Um, but only one was the child of the promise. That means that it is not the, child, the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise who are counted as offspring. For this is the what the promise said about this time next year. Okay, so they go into the whole promise. But the point is, is that the line of Israel follows the children, and yes, they they are children of the flesh. However, what makes them children of the promise is their faith in God. They're following after their father's faith, okay? Obtaining true righteousness um, is a very difficult thing because the standard for righteousness isn't just being good, um, or even just being better than the guy next to us. Well, shoot. I know. See, that's a problem, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, the standard of righteousness is being perfect like God. And since the nation of Israel, um, they, they weren't able to perfectly trust God, he presented them with a new covenant, okay? Because the truth of the matter is they knew something was off, but they couldn't quite put their finger on what. So God's about to show them through the Mosaic Covenant, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, God makes a new covenant with Israel to preserve their nation, fulfilling his promise to Abraham. Remember, he's already promised to Abraham to make them a great nation. So um, for his name's sake, he's not going to wipe them off the face of the planet, okay? Even though they're not being faithful, they're not keeping up their end, he promised Abraham and he's going to produce because he's God, okay? And he's going to bring them into their own land. This time he gives the people the law in the form of the Ten Commandments. But the people don't really find security in that either. Um, In fact, they take the wisdom of these simple Ten Commandments and they start to break it down and break it down into this, like, minutia of 600 and something laws that they have to follow. And they completely lose the heart of God in the law that's given, rather than saying do not kill, very simply, they have all sorts of different regulations about when it's okay to kill and when it's not okay to kill, rather than losing the heart, or rather than following the heart of God that life matters to him and that we shouldn't kill it. 
Like, it, it, it's simple. What, what God asked to do was simple. And, and it should lead to the heart of God, but instead it led, led to hoops to jump through and following regulations and following rules. But there are a lot of times where, like, uh, Israel's leaders, they kill a lot of people. They do. And, and, and there are times when God actually issues the decree to kill these people. Um, and uh, that's a deep subject matter. Um, that I don't know if we're actually going to end up going over that uh, within the context of this book and the scope of this book, but I think that uh, we actually were were talking about Haman in uh, Esther. Esther. Was it, were we oh, talking about okay. it? Okay. Oh, yeah. Haman. I was like, who the heck is Haman? Oh, I, I said that because he was going to pronounce <laughs> If I said Haman, he was going to correct my Jewish pronunciation because that's okay, what that's, that's how he, I that's how it was. We're not oh, Jewish. God. We're American. You got to go easy on us. <laughs> okay. So what happened was in uh, First Samuel, there's a story. <laughs> right, still cracking up over there. Uh, there's a story in First Samuel where uh, Saul, and what's funny is when mom was telling the story, she said First uh, King, or no. No, it was she, a different one, but that's okay. Right. We don't have to go over where you got to correct me. Just keep going. Okay. <laughs> and in First Samuel, uh, God uh, tells Saul to go kill the king of Agag <laughs> and every oh, one of his people and all the sheep, all the cattle, completely annihilate. Right, it says to annihilate, every, uh, annihilate everything. And uh, he that's does that, kind of, but he brings home the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice, mm-hmm. which God did not tell him to do. And what he didn't know was the king of Agag's wife and her son actually escaped. So what it was, was he did know that she, he let her go. Yeah. Okay. Um, but what he didn't know was she was pregnant. Right, right, right. Okay. And yeah. Haman was actually uh, referred to as an Agagite. Yeah, because he was Either her child or grandchild, somewhere in there. Yeah, I um, think it would be like way more Persia. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how much time passed there, but she, he's in the lineage and he still has an axe to grind. Right. Right. So this is like the entire book of Esther is jointed on the fact that Saul didn't do what God asked him to do in annihilating this particular nation. And um, it, it comes back to bite them on the butt. Right. And if he mm-hmm. did, then the story of Esther probably wouldn't have happened. Probably wouldn't happen at all. Well, it probably would have happened, but, like, it just wouldn't be in the Bible because, like, nothing interesting would have happened. I don't know. So, I mean, you know, we, we can ask when we get there, right? We can be like, so what would have happened? You know? Um, so, so back to the law, okay? Moses issues the law. And the problem is that the nation of Israel now um, starts to work on self-justification. They start to work on being holy before God instead of missing the fact that his heart is holy and that his character is holy and that his intention is to bring them closer to him. Okay? Not the result he wanted, okay? Now, this is where I'm going to talk a little bit about why is this quote from David there, okay? There's this, there's this quote in here where David starts talking about his enemies, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. It took me a minute. It says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so they cannot see. 
and then they're back forever. Wow, kind of harsh, Dave, right? Okay? <laughs> kind of harsh. He's talking about his enemies, of course, and now Paul is using that to refer to the enemies of God, right? And, and he's saying that Israel's setting themselves up to be these enemies. But then he kind of doubles back and he says, that's not how we should be treating them. Well, why would we even treat them like this in the first place? Well, this is us not understanding covenant, okay? So when we're in a covenant agreement, um, basically the person we're in covenant with says, I will stand up and fight against your enemies, and you'll fight against mine, okay? And so um, it, it's literally like a war treaty. So think of it like an alliance, like during World War One and World War Two, we had alliances, and if one country went to war, the other country had no choice. They had signed an agreement. If someone comes and attacks you, I will defend you, and I will attack back, and I will um, produce whatever kind of retribution, okay? So this is why Paul's bringing this up. He's like, and normally when we're in covenant with God like we are now, we're supposed to attack the enemies of God, and Israel set themselves up in this position broadly. There is a remnant of Israel, Israelites who have become the elect, but the rest of them are setting themselves up as enemies against God. And normally this is how we would treat them. But he says that's not how we're going to treat them moving forward because we're in the new covenant. Okay? And also to add on to that David quote, he actually uh, says something similar when he's being hunted by his son. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says that when one of his generals goes to spy on him, he mm-hmm. says let his advice uh, turn to foolishness in his ears. Mm-hmm. Which it did, not to go into too much detail, but it did. And yeah. So, so, so to the point, God is really good about keeping up His end of the bargain. Yeah. Um, as far as the covenant is concerned. So, um, so our understanding is we're in covenant with God and we're supposed to defend God, right? But He's saying, wait, wait, wait. This is a new kind of covenant. Okay. So let's talk about that new covenant. These two previous covenants um, should convince us 100% that we need a savior, okay? Um, The Mosaic Covenant teaches us that we can't earn our own righteousness, but the Abrahamic Covenant teaches us that we can't even faithfully accept the free gift of righteousness. Like, we are really far gone. We mess it up all the time. Right? Like, like I can't. I can't. Did you have more to add there? Oh, no, no. I I just love that. Yeah, that's like head on uh, what you said about the Abrahamic covenant. We, we can't faithfully accept the gift. That's good. <laughs> it's, it, 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 yeah, it, it's God just showing us wh- where we're inadequate and where we need him, right? Uh, fortunately yeah. for us, Jesus fulfills both because he faithfully trusts God, the Father, in his plan. Think back to the Garden of Gethsemane. This is not what Jesus really wanted to do once he got up there, but he said, not my will, but your will be done. He's constantly trusting God, but that's like the the, the most um, pro- prominent um, example of that. Um, and thus he fulfills the Abrahamic covenant perfectly, okay? Mm-hmm. And then he lives a life without sin because he brought the character of God with him when he became man, thus fulfilling the Mosaic covenant. And because he fulfills both ends as both God and man, he is able to align both together. Um, those who believe in Jesus, all we have to do is align ourselves with him, making him the Lord and King of our lives, and we benefit as if 
we had fulfilled the covenants ourselves. He becomes our king. We're his kingdom, and we benefit from his treaty. Because that he made with himself. That he made with himself. Because he was the only one that could have made it. Like, super crazy when you get, if you haven't heard it, episode two, we go into all this. It's like insane what God does to, to create this covenant with us, okay? So what about Israel? Okay, how are we supposed to treat Israel? Okay, well, we, we certainly, you know, will God forget Israel? Here's a question. No, not at all. Remember, he still made this promise to Abraham. But for those who chose to turn a blind eye to Messiah, he strengthened their resolve. But why? How does this benefit the church? This was my big question. Like, why? Why couldn't they just accept Jesus? So the rejection of Jesus as Messiah by the, by the Jews historically moves the gospel to the nations in a very literal and physical way. Jesus was first preached in the temple, but as traditional Jews ousted new Masonic, Messianic believers from the temple meeting, they kicked them out of the temple, okay? I don't know if you know this part of history, okay? But they were still meeting in the temple, preaching Jesus in the temple, and there was so much dissension, the Jews said, you can't come to the temple anymore. Take that stuff out of here. Okay, so now they're talking about Jesus in the streets and by the shores of the rivers and things of this nature, okay? They're, they're, they're talking about Jesus everywhere. And it's still causing disruption. And so Roman persecution starts to displace them from Rome and from other major cities. And so the good news physically starts moving to the nations through the Roman Empire as these people are displaced from their homes and their communities. They're taking the, the gospel with them. Just as God had promised Abraham, he will now bless the nation. Literally that persecution and the rejection that allows God to be able to fulfill that promise. Um, so, so to the point, what Paul is saying is there's no room for boasting in this, okay? Uh, we didn't do anything special or good, and we can't be like, nah, 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 you didn't get it, and now I get to receive it. Like, that's not it, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, after all, we were no more, no more capable of fulfilling God's covenants than the Jews were. So how are we supposed to respond? So um, Ezekiel actually has a promise related to this, and I'm going to pull that up too real quick. Cross, did you want to read this bit? I have it here. Oh, okay. You want to do that yeah. on the phone? Uh, what is it? It's Ezekiel 11. Ezekiel 11. Uh, 19. And you're going to read through 21. All right. I'll give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I'll remove them of their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they'll follow my decree and be careful to keep my laws. They'll be my people and I will be their God. But as of, but as for those whose hearts are, devo- are devoted to their vile images and detestable gods, I will bring down their own heads in which they have done, declares, declares the Lord. Right. So so he's saying that in the end he's going to bring these people back to him, right, and give them the heart of flesh. Um, so uh, when we accept Jesus as Lord, we take on the mission that he started. And if you haven't heard any of us, um, us talking about the great exchange and how we're literally exchanging our life for his life, that um, we died on the cross 2,000 years ago and now we live as him, and that means that we continue his mission. Um, I, I'm going to say I'll check out some future episodes. Let me know, uh, 
you know, if you're looking to hear more about that, and we'll find out what the references are so that you don't have to listen to all 30 episodes to get that. Um, <laughs> it's a lot. Uh, then we're going to talk about Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So that's the whole point is we give ourselves up for him. He gave ourselves up for me. He didn't deserve to die, so now he lives as us. We deserve to die, so we crucify that old person on the on the cross in the flesh. Okay. On the you. On the you. And then um, are you pa- uh, pulling up Matthew 28? Sure. Matthew 28, 18. Um, so what would Jesus do if he's living as us? What does he call us to do? Well, he told us in the Great Commission. Go ahead. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have given, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Excellent. So what does that look like practically? Well, we're supposed to pray for the lost nation of Israel and the lost in every nation, really. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're supposed to share the gospel boldly whenever we have the opportunity, and we need to strengthen our community of believers so that they're ready to share the gospel of Jesus too everywhere we go. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's the whole teaching today. That was short. You know, I was almost on time. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> not really. I'm still four minutes overtime, bro. <laughs> I tried. I tried. So much good stuff. So let's go ahead. We're going to cut to commercial break. Unless Pastor Austin, did you have anything to share, um, any wrap-up thoughts on that teaching for us? No, I I think that was super in-depth. I think that was super informative and also transformative because it really brings light to, you know, what Israel was going through and some of the things that they did and how we can relate to their mistakes. Um, but I, I love it. I love uh, the thing that came to mind, if I could share really quickly, is just how, you know, we yeah. always use the analogy of touching the stove. And, you know, sometimes uh, I'll tell my son over and over, don't touch the stove, don't touch the stove. And, you know, there comes a point in time where he just doesn't want to listen. So, you know, as a as a father, it hurts to see, but I got to allow him to touch the stove, you know. Um, but also as a father, I know that when he does touch the stove, I should be waiting with oil and bandage. And when he comes to me crying, Dad, my hand hurts, that's when, you know, that love um, that we feel from God and, and you know, we're, we're apologetic and we're repented um, to, to in the Lord's presence. And I think that's, like, just a beautiful analogy that I, I think of whenever it comes to, like, stuff like this. Because, uh, yeah, uh, right. we, we read about the Israelites, and we were like, you guys are so foolish. But then we think about it like we do the same thing. <laughs> I'm just as foolish. Oh, yeah. You know, and there's there's things that I, I find myself crying back to God. My hand it hurts. I touch the stove, I touch the stove and he's waiting with his oil and his bandage to to love on me and you know, that was the gift of Jesus that, that came and fulfilled everything. So I thought it was a great teaching. Awesome job. Praise God. And I totally agree with what you just said too. We often say like I, I don't know if it was like in the last couple of years I was thoroughly convinced, you know, a lot of times we're mad at, at Eve, like Eve, why you come on, bro, why did you have to bite the apple? And, I, and then I just, at some point I had this realization that I was like, you know what, if all of humanity had gotten it right for eons, I was absolutely capable of messing it up and I probably would have bit the apple too. Mm-hmm. 
Like, I totally <laughs> in my raw natural state could totally jack that up myself. So I can't be mad at her either. You know, like, um, you know, there, but for, for the grace of God, go I, right? Yeah. Um, that, that's, that's not a phrase for when people are like, you know, down and out. That's a phrase for when my soul is in the wrong condition, because by the way, it, it is on a regular basis. So, not to say, like, if Eve hadn't been in the apple and, like, things would have been going right for ages, I probably would have treated that all. Could have done it. Could have done it. Absolutely. I would have done it by accident and been like, ooh, fruit. Right. Right. <laughs> right. New fruit. I haven't tried this one yet. All right. And everybody's like, no! <laughs> well, let's, let's go ahead and um, hop over to commercial break because I can't wait to hear Pastor Austin's testimony. We'll make sure he still gets all of his time. So, uh. We'll see you soon. Did you know that every time you swipe your debit card, those behind-the-scenes transaction fees make the big banks even richer? In 2016 alone, these fees added up to $60 billion. Yes, that's billion with a B. Well, what if there was a way to have the convenience of a debit card, but reroute those fees from the banksters to organizations actually doing good in the world? Organizations that protect the environment or feed hungry children? What if your swipes could literally change the world? Well, Groundswell SPC has found a way to do just that. We've designed a Visa debit card program that shares transaction fees with your favorite cause. Groundswell partners with nonprofit organizations that promote the card to their supporters. Their supporters then use the card to power the mission of the nonprofit. It's a win-win-win for everyone, except the big banks, of course. Groundswell is about to launch its first cards into market, and we're inviting you to be part of this movement as an investor in the company. Go to WeFunder.com backslash Groundswell card to learn more. Set up a free WeFunder account and invest in Groundswell today and get your money on mission. Have you looked at the price of Bitcoin lately? Cryptocurrencies are the hottest financial investment right now. Well, what if you can get free Bitcoin fractions by having an app on your phone or PC? Introducing Lolly, a website that rewards you with free Bitcoin pieces with your online purchases. You purchase from one of thousands of companies like Chewy, Old Navy, Groupon, and others. You get a percent of your purchase back in Bitcoin. Use my link on freedomizerradio.live or find me on Facebook for your special link to get started. Lolly, earn free Bitcoin while you shop. Freaks, outsiders, weirdos, the wallflowers, oddball loser, fish out of water, speak up, talk quieter. We are different. There's no arguing. It's a fact. A patchwork of flaws, we grow and adapt. We're funky, unconventional, see life through kaleidoscope eyes. In a field full of clovers, with our four leaves, we bask in blue skies. Flaws are natural. Our imperfections, our weaknesses, our scars. There is a misfit in all of us. We just have to be brave enough to embrace who we are. That's such a fun 
fun little ditty at the end of that commercial, isn't it? We're like all dancing to the tune. So welcome back to Dynamic Work Bible Studies. I'm your host, Felicia Drozier. If you're just joining us, um, my amazing co-host and my kids. Cross. And Mariah. Yep, Caitlin's hiding in the living room as usual. She does not like to chat with us because someone might hear her voice. She's extremely shy. And uh, uh, Craig Las Vegas thing that we had on Sunday. That was awesome. Oh, did you enjoy that? I'm so glad that you enjoyed that. That was that was a lot of prayer. It, it, it was a lot of prayer. <laughs> in case anyone needs to know, it takes approximately one hour and 28 minutes to um, drive around the entire city. <laughs> and if you're praying for that solidly um, out loud, you might want to be prepared for that. <laughs> Yeah, so and if you have not tuned into that yet, I would recommend you listen to the rest to the rest of this broadcast and then go back over to Dynamic Word Bible Studies. I actually do have it on recording if anybody wants to hear it. Uh, literally an hour and a half of straight prayer. Straight so, prayer. Um, so uh, anyway, awesome, <laughs> um, my dear Mariah um, is really excited. She got to select our guest today. And he accepted, and we're so happy that he's here. And I'm going to let her introduce him now. Yay! <laughs> Our guest today is Pastor Austin Theolavea, and he is husband to Jojo Theolavea, who is an absolute joy. I just love hanging out with her. And he is the father of Acts and Praise Theolavea. He is born and raised in the island of Oahu and resides in Las Vegas since 2005. His life is based on the three Fs, faith, family, and football, and is an addicted to cookie butter and it is indeed a real problem cookie butter is amazing we are so glad that he is here i am like super excited um i was telling my mom for the past i think three days like he's coming he's coming he's coming it's gonna be great um and i share that same exact enthusiasm over cookie butter so i think we're all on the same page here it's gonna be great for me. It is. So, Pastor Austin, um, what is a way God has written part of himself into your life? Where, What is your story about walking with Jesus? Oh, man. Um, I First and foremost, thank you guys for having me. Um, it, it's a joy. Um, but I think the Lord has written himself in me mostly by exemplifying through the word, Um um, I've always believed, you know, if I want to lead the followers, I must first follow the leaders. And that is something that, you know, I've I've taken joy in learning and growing in Christ. Um, but my journey began back in, I believe it was 20, 2009, actually, or 2011, I'm sorry, 2011. And it, it, it was a time in my life where it was a dark, dark season. I was going through a, a horrible breakup, completely my fault, by the way. Um, heart was shattered, had nowhere to go, had no friends, um, had no, no, no church family, nothing. I was just lost in the world. And I remember sitting in my room one night and my, my parents, they went to church faithfully. They, they loved going to church. They would try to drag me, but, um, I would deny, I wouldn't want to go. Uh, but one night I remember my, my dad's Bible was in my room and just like, I mean, it was like a movie scene that I couldn't make this up. I was sitting on my on my bed, on the edge of my bed. Their lights were off, but the light from the moon was shining in, and the light was shining on the floor where the Bible was. And I was like, okay, let me give this guy a shot. <laughs> and I I opened it up, and it, brought, it took me to the book of Daniel, chapter 4, and it was a story of Nebuchadnezzar and how Nebuchadnezzar had the dream of the tree and being cut down 
Um, and mm-hmm. I remember, you know, when, when the dream was being interpreted, uh, Daniel was saying that, you know, you are the tree. You know, you thought you had it all together. You thought you were all that in a bag of chips. Um, but the thing that I learned from that story, and this this was the Lord revealing. I've never opened the Bible in my life. This was truly Holy Spirit. Um, and when I when I read that, uh, when I read that, the Lord had revealed to me that I was like that tree. And you know, the story goes uh, says that uh, you're be to be cut down, right? And but left the stump with the bronze wrapped around it, and you know, surrounded by green green grass. And um, this was Nebuchadnezzar being removed from his palace, removed from his, you know, his stature and, and all this. And he was eating in the field with the beasts. And I thought this was so crazy. Like, there's got to be like some kind of action sci-fi type of movie or something. And um, the Lord had revealed to me that I was I was Nebuchadnezzar. I thought I was all that in a bag of chips. I thought I had my life in my hands. I thought that I was in full control. Uh, but the Lord had to strip me away from everything that I loved, everything, everyone that I knew. Um, he isolated me to where I was just one-on-one with him. And, you know, the, the story says, the, the Bible says that Nebuchadnezzar looked up, acknowledged God, and he was returned to his palace. And I think it took that moment for me to acknowledge him and just say, Lord, you are real. You know, but I love the story. What the Lord revealed to me is that he left the stump. And I asked the Lord, why did you leave the stump? And he said, because I wanted to give you a second chance to grow. You know, and he he, he held me together with that bronze um, but he said, I'm going to surround you with green pasture. I'm going to surround you with green grass um, to nurture you. And what he surrounded me with was New Hope Las Vegas. Um, I met my church family, um, some leaders, Pastor Bam Laval, who's um, no longer at the church, but he's planting a church in Samoa. But he was one of my first spiritual fathers and mentors that took me in. And these people in my life, they acted as the green grass that surrounded that tree that brought um, nutrition and, and nurtured me and, and brought life. Um, and help me grow back, you know, to that tree that uh, the Lord wanted me to be. So that's kind of my, my testimony all in one. That night I, I gave my life to Christ. I said, okay, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this a shot. And I think the next day I went to uh, – that, that week I went to church, signed up to serve, signed up for uh, – I went to the altar for salvation, gave my life to Christ. And, yeah, mm-hmm. it was all uphill since then. Um, has it been? A smooth ride? Absolutely not. <laughs> but I have enjoyed every single step of the way. Oh, I love that. And and I love how your story is just about how God came after you and, and sought you in the place that you are at. And I know um, he's done that for me. I know he's done that for you, Mariah, um, just the tenderness of God. But um, then there's more to your story there, isn't there, Pastor Austin? Because you're, you're not just you're not just Austin, are you? Like the Lord um, sacrificed and would have done everything to have Austin in his life, and and um, he'd rather die than live without you forever. But then he oh. put you to mission. He gave he gave you um, something new to to happen. So how did you go from being um, Saint Austin? We're gonna say okay, because you're saved and you're sainted, and mm-hmm. and you have a new identity in Christ to being on mission for God over at New Hope as a pastor? Oh, man, that journey has been uh, another just great story. Um, I, the Lord has uh, spoken over my life multiple times that, you know, I was I was called to, to do some great things for his kingdom, and I didn't know what that looked like. You know, when God speaks things to us, uh, we chances are we'll never know what that looks like. 
And uh, I think that's the beauty about it. I think that's where faith plays a huge role. Um, so as I grew in the church and as I grew in my walk and in my faith, you know, I would faithfully just, just come to church. I would faithfully journal and do my daily devotions. And just growing in relationship with God has helped me recognize his voice um, a lot a lot better because, you know, it's hard to um, obey a voice that you're unfamiliar with. So the more that I got to build yep. relationship with, with God, I was able to hear him and he would direct me. And I remember one of the first things that he commissioned me to do was to go serve. He said, he said, just go serve. Get yourself plugged in. Um, so funny story is that I started off in uh, PowerPoint. I think I was doing PowerPoint. This is before we had all the fancy, like, pro presenters and all that stuff. So I started with just right. clicking a button for the next slide and the next slide. And from PowerPoint, the Lord uh, said, hey, I want you to serve in children's. Um, so I went to children's, and I was serving in children's uh, for about a year. And my leaders there were amazing. They were great. And I remember one day I came in to serve on a Sunday for children's, and one of the leaders called me and said, hey, can we talk outside? I said, absolutely. So we went. They talked to me. They shared um, that, you know, we appreciate you serving. You've been doing such a great job. And then they said, but well, we feel that you're called somewhere else, that this isn't the ministry God is calling to. And I was like, okay, where is that? You know, and, and they had directed me to worship, to praise and worship. And I was like, you know, I loved singing growing up. Uh, we loved the, the karaoke machine and all that stuff. Um, but it, I never saw myself leading or, or see myself on stage. I was always shy. I'm an introvert. Um, but when he, when the Lord had caught me there, I met some amazing people. That's where I met Pastor Bam. I met some of my great uh, church friends and family who have grown with. Um, but that's where truly, like, the ministry and the commissioning um, began because as I would worship and as I would um, uh, share the word on stage, um, you know, the Lord started just dropping nuggets like on the go, like it was, it was just Holy Spirit led, Holy Spirit filled, and um, a lot of the leaders saw this and they would kind of speak life, like, "Hey, have you ever, you know, thought of pastoralship? Have you ever, you know, prayed about it?" And this is like everything's moving fast. I'm like, "No, I'm I'm good where I'm at. Like, I feel like this is where the Lord is calling me in the worship." <laughs> Um, but as, as time went on, you know, like the Lord just kept just doing his thing and doing his thing. And I remember it was in young adults and, you know, I shared this with Mariah. This is why young adults has such a, a amazing, a soft space in my heart is because young adults is really where, um, my pastoralship began because as we would meet for young adults, we would do Bible studies and my leaders, they would say, Hey, do you mind leading tonight? And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. You know, so just asking questions. And then uh, it, it got to where I would lead and lead and lead, and then they would ask me, hey, do you mind putting together maybe a teaching and then putting together a sermon? And this was like, you know, it was kind of like the wax on, wax off, painting of the fence type thing where I was like, what is all this, what does it have to do with me? You know, like, I don't, I don't get it. Why am I doing all this? And then now, you know, here I am in 2023, I look back, and this, is, this started back in 2011. 2011, that's where the Lord first called me to serve. Now we're in 2023, you know, as a pastor at New York, Las Vegas, this has opened my eyes and it opened my, my mind like, wow, now I see, right? Like what John says, you might not see, you might not understand what I'm doing now, but one day you will. And back then I was living that. I didn't understand. Uh, but now I see why he made me wax the wax on, wax off and paint the fence. Now I get it, you know, and um, yeah, so he led me into that, and as I was doing young adults, I would I would preach sermons at young adults and and give the word, 
And some of the leaders would sit in, and they saw that, and they would ask me, hey, you want to speak on a Wednesday? And it just kind of domino effect from there. And this was back in, like, 2015, 2016. Um, and I never started speaking until about 2017 um, on stage. I would speak, like, on Wednesday nights. But the Lord had really just trained me and equipped me all throughout the years. And it wasn't, like, an overnight process. It was. It took many, many years uh, for the Lord to just really grow and, and, and grow in me and continue to teach me. And I'm still learning to this day. You know, I, I I don't think I've ever arrived. Or I don't think I'll ever arrive. But I, I'm just glad I have that relationship with him. And in 2020, just to kind of, sorry, it takes so long, but in 2020, that's when the Lord called me out of my full-time job into the ministry, um, to do full-time ministry. And um, it was it was a crazy time because a funny story is, the week that I left my job and I started full-time ministry at New York, Las Vegas, was the same week uh, COVID hit and we shut down all the churches. So huh. the funny story, you know, within within my family, um, is that Austin broke the church. <laughs> Austin right. broke the church. It was a funny inside joke with the family, and you know, but it, it was it was a joy because it really took us back to like the foundation. I believe God was doing something. You know, he never does anything in vain. Like, there's always a purpose behind it. And when we went into the COVID, it really taught me to not worry about the crowds. Like, when you're preaching, it shouldn't be about the congregation or the crowd. It should be about just the preaching the word, like, regardless of who's there, regardless of how many people are there, whether it's a full house or just four people. Um, I was preaching to empty chairs. And I, I believe the Lord was doing this um, to really humble my heart and say, hey, you're not here for the title. You're not here for the, the spotlight. You're not here. Um, you know, for the status, but you're here to just preach my word, uh, regardless if it's a, a full house or, or no one's here, whether the church doors are open or they're closed, I want you to do my will. And um, he's really stressed me in that COVID season. We had to do church online. We had to do, you know, and I asked the Lord, I said, you called me out of full time in my job into the church, but Lord, there's no church. There's no one here. And he, and he that, that's when he, he really humbled my heart. And he says, it's not about it's not about how many people are in attendance, right? He, he just said, I want you to just preach the gospel. Whether you're talking to one person in the break room or you're talking to a thousand of people in a conference, uh, I want you to do my will. And that's when I, you know, I, I really learned uh, pastoralship. And, and, and people think, you know, pastoralship is really what you see on stage. But I was doing a lot of things behind closed doors that I was like, I didn't know pastors did this. Mopping the floors, cleaning toilets, uh, you know, working on videos, editing you know, uh, discipleships and creating message synopsis and all these things I, I never understood. But now, you know, I've gotten the training and I'm glad that I'm still learning. But it's been a crazy journey um, and I've enjoyed every step of the way. But here I am now. Yes, I am blessed to um, have that, that title of a pastor. Um, but one thing I do um, stress to a lot of my disciples and the people that I share and, and, and lead um, and do ministry with is um, it's never about the title. Um, I was born a servant, so I will die a servant. My tombstone won't say Pastor Austin. It'll just say Austin. So um, we always remain servants in the Lord. Um, so that's kind of how I live my life. Well, and I, I have to say, I, I always preferred the title pastor over like reverend or minister um, because those have to do with the the other titles have to do with the um, handling of God's word, but I feel like pastor, mm. it, it's more about the, the care of the sheep 
and and the the care of the the people in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. and I really I I I have not been blessed to be under your ministry umbrella, um, but I can tell by Mariah's response that you truly. Um, whether or not you feel like you're ready to receive that title, that you earned that title after because of the way that you interact with the lives of the people who God has given you. And that's really awesome. Oh, I know. <laughs> She's got a big smile on my face, so I know I hit that's that. That's tearing up. And for those that do listen to the broadcast um, as a witness. He he means every word, and he follows every word to the letter. He is a servant, and he does an excellent job at what he does, um, and it's been an honor to watch and learn and grow under that. So then, um, Pastor Austin, I do have a question for you. Um, the title sure. of today's lesson is To Make Him Known. Um, in your walk and from your testimony, what would you say are the three things that people need to know about Jesus and to make him known? Um, I think first and foremost is that he loves them. Um, he loves them. He loves them. And I think that's the misconception or the misunderstanding that people think they got to be perfect or they have to be um, holy of holies um, in order for Jesus to love them. Um, and I think uh, a lot of people have been turned off by the church because sometimes, you know, as believers, we get off a little rough on the edges. Um, and, you know, I think just letting people know and reminding them, hey, Jesus loves you, um, building that relationship and letting them know that, um, you know, what, what your past doesn't define who you are. Um, and that kind of encourages people, you know, and I've had interactions with people who don't go to church or who, don't even believe in God. Um, and just those simple words of like, hey, just know that he still loves you. You know, I can see the heart of that person just melt, you know, regardless if they've ever stepped foot in a church or maybe they've been hurt by a church. Um, I think just a simple reminder to let people know that Jesus is still a loving God, that God still cares about his people. Um, and they give, he gives us the gift of repentance. Um, so I think that's a great way to, to make him known um, in people's lives. Um, I think second is um, living it out. I've always been a biggie on um, actions. One of my uh, life scriptures is Matthew 12, Matthew 12, 33, where the tree is identified by its fruits. So you want to make Jesus known and live out Jesus. Um, I think that's um, a super, super effective um, evangelical way of sharing Christ with people is by your actions. Um, you know, I'm not big on fish stickers and wearing T-shirts that say I'm a follower. I, I'm, I'm big on actions. I want to see you love like Jesus. I want to see you forgive like Jesus. I want to see you extend grace like Jesus. And I think when people see that, they, they have, they're intrigued to know, I want to know this Jesus that you know. I want to know what, why, why you're so happy, even though I know the situations you're going through. I know the circumstance you're in, Os. I want to know this Jesus that keeps this smile on your face. And I think that helps make him known. So just being um, being an example of Christ, living out um, Jesus. And, you know, I've, I've always said this, and I felt like this was super bold for me to say, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, die on this hill. Um, if I have to tell you I'm a Christian, then I'm not living my life like a Christian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah no, I and then I think third, 
Oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. I said I think that's true for sure. I agree. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so so making it known, um, uh, I think, oh, and then sharing, sharing your testimony. That I think that is the biggest, one of the biggest uh, ways to share the gospel. When I first came to Christ, one of the things I didn't, um, I was so afraid of was sharing Jesus because I didn't memorize scriptures. I didn't memorize stories. I'm a leaky vessel, so it's hard for me to retain all that information. Um, but I remember a mentor of mine gave me one of the greatest advice. He said, if you don't know what to say or what to share, share your testimony. Because I don't think uh, people understand, like, the power that's behind it. Because I can tell a story about someone else. But if I share a story about my testimony, what I lived through and what I went through, there's passion behind it. There's zeal behind it because I remember the emotions. I remember how I felt and what I was going through. So I think I've shared my testimony with almost every single person I've come into contact with because it's the easiest thing that I can remember. And it's a great way to show people that Jesus is real in my life, you know, and Jesus um, can be real in yours if you open up your heart. So I think I hopefully that kind of answers the questions. I think those are the great three ways that I could make him known. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, those are awesome. I think the last one is especially because with your testimony, it's really hard to make up a story about yourself. Um, and you're right yeah. there in front of them. So when they, when they see you came out of a situation um, pretty much whole and happy and alive, it really makes a difference. Um, I know, like, when I tell people about certain experiences on trips, they're like, that really happened to you? They're like, yeah, and I'm still here. And they're like, whoa. And it's like, yeah, you can't make stuff up like that <laughs> for yourself. You can do that for other people, right. but it's really hard to do that for yourself. Well, I think it hits different, yeah. too, because, like, um, there's – I. Man, I mean, I, I'm not going to say there's ever anything wrong with having knowledge and showing yourself approved in the Word. Like, you know, I go to, I go to school so that I can understand more about God's Word and stuff like that. But, but the fact of the matter is, is that um, we're 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 talking about God who's proven Himself over eons, but we're talking about how that God reached into my life, interacted with me, and changed me. You know what I mean? There's there is no no better impact story than what God's done for you in your life. And I'm so glad that you came on and shared what he's done in your life with us. Um, I know Mariah kind of alluded to one more question. Um, and we have probably about, I'm going to say like three minutes to wrap up this segment real quick. Oh, so I got to make it fast. Uh, I, yeah, I was about to say, so let's, let's keep it brief. I think she's enjoying having you on the hot seat a little bit, Pastor Austin, because I know you ask all the <laughs> Um, all the challenging questions <laughs> at young adults, and now she's like, I get to do it Here's the question. is On our show, we have a lot of women, and they share their perspective as, as women and as uh, mothers and as mentors. But as a man who is on the show, and you're also a father, um, how do you see the reflection of God's heart in your life as a father? Um, so, like, as a father um, to your children, how do you see the similarities as God the Father to the world? Oh, um, I've always – so there's, there's something I learned uh, a couple of years back. is It's never a father issue but a son issue. 
So a lot of times we, we will blame God or, you know, we'll, we'll uh, talk bad about God when things don't happen or things go wrong. Um, but really it's, it's a heart check on us on like, okay, what, what am I not doing or what, am, what do I need to do better? So something that I've learned as a father um, is that his, first of all, his love, the father's love is just um, agape, unconditional, and nothing can separate us from the love of the father. And as me having my own two, I, I've learned, I've learned that, um, that my kids, man, no matter how misbehaved they can get, yeah, I'll get angry or I'll get mad, but at the end of the day, I love them so much. Um, and I think um, the, my relationship with God has helped me be a better father, uh, right? Because it's not a son issue. I mean, it's not a father, it's just son issue. So if I can be a better son to my spiritual father, then I can be a better father to my sons. Um, and the more I learn about how God fathers us and how God loves us and how God disciplines us and how God corrects us and all those things, it helps me be a better father to my kids. So, yeah, hopefully that kind of answers that. I'm just like, highlight all of that. Yeah, and I was going to say, we could, we could make a sticker for your water bottle that says that. Yeah. When I can be a better son to the father, I can be a better father to my son. Yeah.
Also, I really dig their one-set deal of the day. It changes every single day. I recently snagged a 10-ounce bag of dog treats for Chewbacca for a penny. Normally, they sell on their site for $7.99. With the upcoming food shortages, this is my favorite place to stock up on canned goods. If you live in the mountain or Pacific time zones, you need to get with Marty.com. M-A-R-T-I-E.com. Look for our link on our FreedomizerRadio.com website and get a $10 free just because I told you to go there. Marty.com. Great deals, good feels. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to Dynamic Word Bible Studies. We're here. We're at the Q&A section. I do have... I do have the chat room open if you want to chat with us um, about our questions. I don't see anybody in there right now, but um, that's that's not a problem. We can talk amongst ourselves. But if you want to call in, let me give you the guest call-in number right now. It's 319-527-6208. And remember, if you want to talk to us and you're not just eavesdropping on our conversation, press 1. Some people just want to hear, and that's okay. But um, if, if you want to talk, press 1. That will raise a cute little hand in the back um, of the uh, switchboard for me so that I can see that you actually have something you want to say. Otherwise, we'll try to leave you alone so you can peruse in that area. Uh, again, the guest call number 319-527-6208. Press 1 to be able to talk. All right, guys. Um, so let's talk about the, the questions for this time. First one is, are you ever so focused on doing the right thing that you forget to look for God's loving heart in the command? Every day. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> Every day. This is where you and I are so fun on this show because we're very opposite. We are extremely. Yes. You're a rule follower, and I have, like, a rebellious nature to me. Oh, my gosh. That, you do this thing when you drive, Okay. So there's the bike lane on the road, okay? You no, don't no. drive on the bike lane. No, no, not she on the purposely bike. does it because it breaks the rules and it makes me very upset. Every once in a while, it's not the bike <laughs> lane. It's where where the raised dots are. The carpool lane? No, no, just 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 on the line because it makes noise <laughs> and it drives Mariah crazy. So it's kind of fun. You're not driving <laughs> the lines. <laughs> But yes, no. There, there are times where I get very legalistic spiritually. Yeah. Of you have to do it the right way, and um, mom and I, well, mom points this out in me a lot. Um, where I can go from one extreme to the other. I'm either all good or I'm all bad. If I'm all bad, I am like the lowest creature in the world. That's your perception. That's my perception. Yes. Yes. Um, that is for you to accept yourself as being both good and bad at the same time, and that you don't have less value because of that. Right. And if I'm in that low pit, it's like now I have to claw my way back to redemption. And that's just not how it works. It's exhausting. But it makes sense in my mind. How dare you give me the free gift of grace when I did nothing to deserve it? This is a scam. It's not right. What what the heck? So you're saying you would have more challenge with the Abrahamic covenant than the Mosaic covenant? Yes. Yes. Um, I think I would probably be the opposite. (laughs) I would be the one who would struggle with all the rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But like when when you're discussing the Mosaic Covenant, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. The don't kill, that's too broad of a statement. We need specific. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm going down the same road, y'all. 
I kill it or do I not? <laughs> I know. That's why they're specific, because I needed to know. Okay, but we didn't kill the bacon, so it's okay. Just anyway, there, there's me. So it's, okay. it's hard for me. So, so you find that you get over-focused on doing the right thing, and you miss God's loving heart and the command, right? Yes. Why did I get oh, under-focused? I'm doing the right thing. Do you? Yeah, you're my kid. Uh, you're my kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, how about you, Pastor Austin? Yeah, um, I think uh, what we call it in the in the, in the worship team, sometimes we call it going through the motions. Uh, sometimes we'll just show uh-huh. up to do worship, praise and worship, and we're there, but we're not there. You know what I mean? Like, And, and I think sometimes we can be – just doing the right thing because we're serving, we're praising God, but then, like, we lose the heart or we, we, we don't find God's loving heart in it, you know, and we're not doing it out of a grateful heart. We're not doing it out of a thankful heart. And you know, the Word of God says that we are to enter his gates with thanksgiving. So I think that's super important, you know, and I always tell the worship team, hey, if there's, if there's things going on at home or, you know, you and your marriage is not well right now, like, I'd rather you be at home focusing on that than being here and just going through the motions. You know what I mean? Like we care more about your 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 well being, your soul, than what you can do on the stage. You know, so we always tend to, we always try to remind um, especially the worshipers and the, the servants, like, hey, when we do things and we serve, um, don't just focus on doing the right thing, but you know, make sure that you have the right heart and you're seeking you're seeking God in it. So yeah, we I've been there and myself, you know, and that's why when I preach, I preach to a mirror. because um, I found myself sometimes just being going through the motion, you know, kind of that Mary Martha uh, uh, situation. Sometimes I'm Mary, sometimes I'm a Martha, <laughs> and and I, I get I get in trouble sometimes. So, but no, I think that's true. With everybody, we can get a little bit ritualistic at some point. I I think when I first became a Christian, this is really odd, okay, because I kind of I I wasn't raised in the church, okay. I became a Christian, and um. I felt ritualism really defied what the heart of God was. And so I was actually quite the opposite. I remember going years before I started praying before meals because I felt it was ritualistic. And when people would pray before meals, I didn't feel, if you observed it, it didn't seem like they were really making a connection with God. They were just going through a ritual. Mm. So I never said grace before a meal until I found in Scripture where God said that he made things clean. And then I was like, oh, we are supposed to pray before the meal. Do you see what I'm saying? But I still struggle, I think, sometimes with common prayers like that, feeling ritualistic and, and not necessarily touching the heart of God. Um, so, yeah, like that that was actually something that for me, I, I feel like my heart was bent against, um, but but can definitely be a problem for other people. Uh, well, no, but it gets psychotic because, because then I'm like, you know, well, I don't know. Like, do we do – um, worship and then prayer for tithe and offering because that's what that's what we do structurally. Um, what if God's Holy Spirit is moving us to do something different? Are we open to that? Do you see what I'm saying? So I it, it can cause me issues to stumble sometimes. Again, this whole like um, chaotic nature that I have. Yeah. Um, that that <laughs> I, I want to see the force of God move and I and I want to make sure that that is an authentic relationship and not just me being structured. And, and and a rule follower. Yeah, I'm not following the box, but I'm following God. 
and you crush my box. I do. I do. I'm bad. I do. I'm bad. So uh, <laughs> let's go on the question. You take joy in it. <laughs> I'll be like, this is my schedule, and she's like, psych. I'm like, no. <laughs> uh, we gotta keep this I know it's good. So, um, how do you feel when you consider God's hardening of someone else's heart? Man, that's a hard one. That one's hard. So I admit it already that that that's that one's hard for me to to deal with. Like. I, th- I think it depends on the person. Okay, me. this is why I asked the question, because I think that you had a very different attitude towards this than I did. We did. we were laughing. Yeah, because we were talking about Pharaoh, and I was like, he deserved it. <laughs> he got what's coming to him. <laughs> and then she's like, what do you mean? I was like, listen, listen. The man is, is, is not smart, okay? He has made decisions, and God's given him plenty of opportunities to change his ways. It gets to a point where it becomes detrimental to his own people, not just the Israelites, but to his own people. He had it coming. It's time. The sense of justice is strong in this one. <laughs> but then, like, I'm all for grace. I am. But at the same time, justice must prevail. <laughs> and I'm glad I'm not the one that hands it out, but I'm glad I get to watch every now and then. Uh, every once in a while, you're you're there. Yeah. I, okay, I got you. I got you. Anybody else want to hop in on that one? Um, on one of the times, I don't know which one it was, but he broke out, him and his officials and all of, his, uh, all of the Egyptians, they all broke out in painful sores. I'm like, that would have been my breaking point. point. That like, would have been it? That that would have been it. I'd be like, go. You can go now. You can go now. No more painful sores. Take your place with you. <laughs> got you. Got you. Got you. That that was a whole thing too, because each plague was was directed at one of their false deities. Right. Anyway. One of them was the god of health. That was the. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and then the god of. Uh, I don't know. Was there a god of frogs? I don't know. God, anyway. God of weather. I have to look at. No, that must have been the god of nature. I don't know. I'm going to have to look into that at some point. <laughs> Pastor Hostin, did you want to come in on that one at all? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, what we talked about at the beginning of the show um, about hardening our hearts, you know, I think sometimes when he, he said, you know what, I tried to tell you, but I'm going to allow you to touch the stove, I think it helps mm-hmm. us understand and realize, you know, after the fact, right? And and I think it it makes us understand like I need a savior. I need you, God. I need to start listening. I need to start being. But also on the flip side, I love the story of, of Pharaoh and what you guys are talking about because sometimes God will harden someone else's heart um to show himself real in someone else's life. You know, um so when he hardened Pharaoh's heart and all the plagues came and stuff, I think the story would be still pretty cool that he parted the Red Sea and the Israelites walked through. It'd be pretty awesome. But the fact that mm-hmm. he hardened Pharaoh's heart to the point where they chased after Israel and then God mm-hmm. destroyed this nation who oppressed Israel. That made the story and just the the power of God much more impactful now, right? Because if they just parted the Red Sea and they walked through, the Israelites would still have, like, the Egyptians on the back of their mind. Like, they're still alive. They could just build boats and cross over and, and come kill us again. But the fact that God mm-hmm. was able to destroy that nation because of hardening someone's heart, or heart, you know, people, the Israelites now understand, like, man, this, yeah, this God really loves us. He really, he's real. His power is real. So I think sometimes in hardening someone else's heart, it's to show himself real and his power in someone else's life. So that's kind of my take on it. 
Right. I agree. I agree. Um, so here's our next question. Why do you think Israel broadly missed the Messiah? Mm. I think that it, there was a similar question that we had been asked a while ago um, at church was, if if Jesus came into church right now, would you recognize him kind of thing? And I think it's the same for the Israelites uh, because this is something I would do is I life is good. I have my regulations. I have my rules. I may be inconvenienced um, and oppressed by Romans, but, you know, I'm, I'm in my safe net. I'm in my safe circle. And now you got this guy, Jesus, coming in and saying everything I'm doing is wrong. And not only that, but, like, changing the world on its head. It's like the audacity. How I, dare you? I think you're really kind of referring to the fear of the unknown there. Yes, the fear of the unknown. Yeah, Which that's a good way to put it. Kind of sad because they should have known God, but again, they lost the heart of God and all those rules. Well, especially because it's like it, it because he's saying you're being you're you're doing things wrong, and it's like I've spent my whole life trying to do things right. Who are you, this carpenter kid, to say that I'm doing things wrong? Mm-hmm. Um. The, again, the audacity. So I think that um, by the question, why do you think Israel, um, sorry, I'm trying to read it sideways, uh, broadly missed the Messiah is because I don't think they entirely missed him. I think they just didn't want to change or acknowledge that things are different. Mm-hmm. 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 So it's kind of like covering your ears and going la, 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 la. Okay. I, I hear you. I hear you. Because that's what I would do. And, and you heard she just, like, jumped the shark there and went into the next question, right? You heard that, Pastor Austin? Because <laughs> she yeah. got the list of questions. Like, I was like, yeah, I see what you did there. Just move it on. Move it on. Uh, uh, you, have, you have some insight there for us, Pastor? Yeah, I think I think the first thing that comes to mind is high expectations. I think um, – or not high expectations, but expectations. Um, and yeah. it, it just brings me back to the story of Palm Sunday. When he came riding on a donkey, you know, they expected this king on a high horse, you know, this mighty right. warrior, but he came humbly on a donkey. And I think that's why Israel broadly missed him. Um, they they had different expectations. You know, they, they thought differently. But Jesus, you know, he came to flip the world upside down. So I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And it's like, what? You know, and I, I think that's why. I can't blame them, you know, and that's why I said earlier, we, we can read the story and, and read the Bible and like, man, Israelites, so foolish. But then if we put ourselves in the shoes and someone came humbly on a donkey and said, I'm here to save the world, I think I'd kind of second guess the person too, you know? So I think it's just well, the expectations of, of what Jesus is. Well, and I agree with that. And I also think that, um, the Israelites misidentified their enemy, um, you know, and, and the Bible says that the that our enemy uh, isn't of flesh and bone, but of spirit. And mm-hmm. so when 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 they thought the Messiah was coming to save the world, they thought the Messiah was coming to save the world from, or to save them from their oppression, from their from their physical oppression by the Roman Empire. But the enemy of our souls is Satan. Uh, what was killing the world was spiritual death. He he came to lift the oppression of Satan, not the not the oppression of the Roman Empire. But if he could save the Roman Empire, that would lift the oppression of the Roman Empire. Do you see what I'm saying? Um, 
And so they were looking at things circumstantially, and don't we do that too? Yep. Yeah, you know, we, we look at our This is the reality I see. Right, 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 right. So um, so <laughs> to, to the point, the next question was, of course, do you think the Western church would recognize Jesus if he came today? Why or why not? Nope. No, no. She's going to go with no? Nope. Why, why do you think that we would miss him? <laughs> because we don't even have regulations. We don't have that relationship with God anymore, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got Jesus coming in and saying, like, hey, you can't be living life the way that you are. Um, and I'm trying to be very careful with my wording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, there would be certain groups that would not appreciate the the um, insight or um, uh, reality that Jesus shares. Well, in, in our society, I think that it is um, almost a conundrum to have someone who, who loves you and accepts you in spite of your sin, but but then still expects for the sin to stop. I'm reminded of the woman who was caught in adultery, um, and Jesus loved on her, and he cared about her, but then he said, go and sin no more. Um, That's a good. Yeah, so, so you know, I, I was born into sin, and I'm thankful that Jesus loved me at my worst. Um, and I'm also thankful that he won't leave me there, that that his plan is to um, teach me step by step to become more and more like Jesus so that when I get to heaven, I'm not the singularity that destroys heaven because I'm entering in with a rebellious heart, but so that I've learned to submit to God in the same sort of way that Jesus submits to God, the Father. So. Mm-hmm. It looks like you have something to say. It just reminded me of our conversation last night about David, mm-hmm. where God sees us in our lordship, even though we're still wearing peasant clothing yes. kind of thing. And so he loves us in our darkest moments, but then still expects us to step up and um, and, and live right, mm-hmm. I guess. I, I, I don't think, I don't know if that's the right wording, but um, yeah. But, but, you know, he does. You know, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll follow my commandments, right? Mm-hmm. And, and to the point we were talking about, we were talking about David, and we were talking about how he was anointed by Samuel, and then he went right back out to shepherd sheep. Right. Like, his life was not significantly impacted or changed right away. Uh, he went, oh, all he needs to love that. Right, right, right. <laughs> we were talking about how uh, the sheep were going to be so impressed with King David now, <laughs> you know? Um, because he still had a lot of time to spend in the field, right? Um, that it wasn't until much later that um, people begin to recognize um, the anointing of God on him, you know. And, and I think probably the first person to really recognize that was Saul uh, when he fought Goliath. But that was that's like a whole other, like, we can't go into that. We've got like three minutes to pick up the last questions. So, uh, Pastor Austin, you got anything to add to that one? <laughs> no, no, that was good. No, that was good. All right, my last one then is, uh, what can you do more of today and moving forward to fulfill the new covenant, being dead to yourself and alive in Christ? Be nice. That's all, everyone. Be nice, she says. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what can you 
<laughs> what can you do more of today and moving forward to fulfill the new covenant and be dead to yourself and alive in Christ? And we gave That's a mouthful. Yeah, we gave a couple pointers. We had said that we can pray. We had said that we can share Jesus. And we said that we can build up believers so that they were prepared to share Jesus. So I think that it's also like with those three things that Pastor Austin had mentioned where you um, tell people Jesus loves you, that um, – trying to remember. Hold on. I did listen. Uh, tell people uh, you walk the walk and um, that you share the testimony. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's all true, too. Um, you know, and, and, and maybe we look for ways that we can – um, be that pattern interrupt to people's lives. Like Dad always talked about this sales technique where if somebody's, you know, on a negative stream of thought, you interrupt them by asking a, a non-related question, and it stops that train of thought. So maybe we become the pattern interrupt in people's lives. How do we do that? We go and feed the homeless. Um, you know, we go and minister to the lost. We visit people in the hospital. We um visit people in their time of need. We call our friends when we know they're going through trouble and we pray for them. You know, how do we become that pattern interrupt to to be Jesus interrupting their lives? Mm -hmm. That's good. I'm going to slow down for a minute. Pastor Austin, what you got for me? (laughs) Um, No, I I love that, the the feeding of the homeless and stuff. I was going to say serve. Um, I think think Mm -hmm. that there is no better way to die to self than to serve. Because it humbles yourself, it humbles you. Um, um, you never know how much of a servant you are until you're treated like one. And I think that's a, a, a great indication of of where your your spirit is, where your humility is. Um, and I I just love serving people, um, and it, it helps me stay grounded. Because uh, the sometimes, and I've seen it happen with other people. Sometimes the title and the positions can get to your head. Um, so as long as right. I continue to serve. I'd never look at myself as like, oh, I'm a pastor. I don't have to do that. That's above my pay grade or, you know, whatever, below my pay grade. Um, So I think constantly serving, just serving people, not just necessarily in the church, but even outside, you know, helping helping someone with their groceries or put back a grocery cart or, you know, simple things like that. It just, it reminds me every day, I'm a servant, I'm a servant, I'm a servant, and it helps me die to self. I love that. I love that. I think that's great. So I think we're going to go ahead and end on that except to say, Pastor, what can you promote? What ministries are you working in? Where can where can our people who are listening to you um, hear you talk, um, hear you worship, or get connected, get connected to you? Oh, um, yeah. So New Hope Las Vegas is where I'm at. Um, we have services Wednesdays and Sundays, Wednesday 7 p.m., Sunday 8, 10, and 12. Um, but I've been serving and overseeing the young adults, and the Lord has put it heavy on my heart and also my wife's heart. We've been partnering, and this is the first time we've served together as a married couple. Um, uh, It's the young adults, and that's where my heart is right now. So young adults, we meet every first and third Thursday of the month. We meet at 7 p.m. at New Hope Las Vegas. Um, so yeah, if you if you feel like coming, and we've raised we've raised the age um, multiple times in young adults because people just want to come and hang out. Sometimes they feel like, oh, I'm too old. Is it okay if I just sit in? You know what? It's a place where we get together. We get to read the word. We get to fellowship. Um, so uh, regardless if you're a young adult or not, come and join. Come and hang out with us. We're there every first and third Thursday of the month. Fantastic. I'll make sure to use my wrinkle cream. 
<laughs> I've seen you in person. You don't need it.